Um, just want to let you know, uh, October the 5th, we are going to launch the Trek ministry here at Portview. And October 5th, that's on a Monday night, that's the orientation. And basically, what we're going to do, uh, I think we have almost 50 people signed up. And, and if you just want to come for information, please come out. It's not a commitment to take the course. It's the orientation. I will, I will spend a couple hours with you talking about Trek, the ministry, how it's impacted my life, how it's impacted other people's lives. And, um, and so we'll come out, we'll gather here in the sanctuary, and I'll just do a little presentation. And then at the end, and then if you're interested in signing up for the, for the, for the program, again, it's a six-month journey, and we will journey with you. Uh, the cost of the program, and I've negotiated this down. Normally, if you go online, it's $600 per person. And, but I've, I said, hey, husbands and wives are one flesh, so they need to be counted as one. So I've actually got to negotiate it to $300 per couple and $300 per individual as well. So if you need to go out and get married real quick, you, you can talk to Pastor Mark about that. <laughs> In Oostburg, everybody's running out to get married. So <laughs> for you Oostburgers, that love me too. Um, but anyway, it, it is a great program. And one of the reasons I got really involved in it, one of the, you've heard me share the story with you in the past, that I was a regional director for Freedom Life Skills, and we saw lives change tremendously through this life skills ministry. And, and, but life skills, unfortunately, you know, they've got into some financial problems, and it was very expensive. I mean, the minimum of life skills right now, if you go to any other place, is $1,500 per person, not couple, $1,500 per person. And $2,700 if your pay bracket is in a certain area. And, but, but when I left, uh, when I left uh, Life Skills, I really searched for a ministry that will do the same thing. Because as Pastor Mark said, we are not destitute for lack of knowledge in the American church. But one of the frustrating things that I found is as I traveled and began to minister the word to people, I, I would labor and study the word. I, I, loved, I loved teaching the word. I loved getting into it, dissecting it, understanding the cultural uh, what's the author's intent of this, and what's the application for me? What's the relevancy to me? And as I would begin to preach the word, people's eyes would just kind of roll back in their heads. They would glaze over, and I would just complain, God, what's wrong with these people? Why aren't they getting the word? And why aren't they so excited about hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in liberty? And God spoke to my heart and says, Andy, they have the emotional flu. They have emotional flu because when you have the flu, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to either die or get better. There's no in-between when you have the flu. He says the body of Christ are sick emotionally, that they can't get beyond the pain of their wounds. Yes, they've received Jesus Christ, and yet they, they will go. But, but every time something is triggered within them, they'll gravitate and go back to their old ways of things that are familiar, even though they hate it. But they will go back that route. So one of the things that Trek does, it's, 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 it's not a replacement gospel. It is a tool that I believe that Jesus Christ has given us to open the eyes of our understanding because the things we understand we can begin to make changes of. It's the things we don't understand that drive us crazy, right? But once we understand something, we can begin to make healthy choices uh, and, and be able to apply the word of God to those areas and they begin to move forward. And so the title of my sermon today is called Let the Past Be the Past. I'm going to segue right into that. And one of the things that I've learned, people have said, well, you know, I can't change the past. That's true, you can't change it. But if you can begin to get some understanding of why you do what you do, you can begin to make better choices. Because what happens is that our past, if we don't take that to the cross and deal with it, we can't just ignore it. We have to deal with it. Because if we don't deal with it, it becomes toxic. It becomes toxic in our lives, and not only our own lives, but we begin to 
affect everybody around us because of the choices that we make. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been in this thing a long time. And Pastor Pete's been in it even longer than I. And uh, we've been in this thing a long, long time. And I, I know that one of the most frustrating things that I find is that I, I labor, I walk with a, a believer in the Lord, and all of a sudden they're so excited about the things of God, and then all of a sudden they're gone for six months or a year. I mean, and they, were, they were so zealous for the things of God, but what happened? A trigger, something inside of them triggered a memory or a wound, and, and they didn't want to face the pain of their lives and said, well, I'm always failing. I can never measure up. I'm not good enough, so I'm just going to quit. So because they don't understand why they continue to do the bad things in their lives and make the bad choices in their life, because the wounds of their past are driving their behavior. And once you begin to identify what those, where that woundedness came from, we can begin to apply the blood of Christ to that and bring healing to that. And then we can say when the devil comes to bring this back to you, remember, you can say, wait a minute, no, I've dealt with that. Jesus took that to the cross, and he has given me the ability to stand on his word and to apply the healing grace of Jesus Christ, and now I can be free. But sometimes you say, well, I don't know why I do that. It's just, it's just familiar. I, I trigger, my wife says this, my husband does this, and I can just go to the bottle and, and drink myself happy, or I can take drugs, or I can, uh, in fact, some people even shop. In, they, get a, they get their credit card bill. They panic. Oh, my goodness. How am I going to pay for this? I need to go shopping to make myself feel better. And they don't understand why they're doing that. The wound of their past is driving their behavior. And Trek is a tool that will unpackage that for you to give you some understanding. It gives you some great tools of communication. It gives you great tools of how to set healthy boundaries. It gives you the understanding, the best way to describe it. Reader's Digest. It helps you to understand how God wired you and where you got short-circuited. And we're going to fix that. Amen? So come out October the 5th, and let's, let us share with you. Again, October 5th is an orientation. From 6 o'clock until 9, we will walk you through the whole process, what the class is going to look like, and how we're going to run the class. We are, we, and, and then when we have the actual first class, we will be gender separate. We will meet together, watch the videos, then we will have men working with men and women working with women. And then God will help us in our journey to become the people he created us to be. So how can I let the past be the past? If you have your Bibles, open with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, not, now this is the Apostle Paul writing, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. The first thing... What we need to do in order to let the past be the past, the first thing is we need to have a realistic view of where you're at. You have to know where you're at. A realistic view of where you are at. In verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What Paul is saying here is this. He goes, I don't have it all together. No, I, I, I'm, just, I'm not perfect, but I do have a goal in mind. 
I want to draw closer to Jesus. And as I begin to grow, draw closer to Jesus and his purpose for me, and as I pursue the things of God, I'm getting further away from my past. You see, he's changing his focus. He's realizing, hey, I haven't arrived. Yes, I'm a new believer. I, I'm, I am saved. But yet I still have some areas of my life that need to be worked on. Wouldn't it be nice if we were saved and then automatically we go through a spiritual car wash and, and we walk through and we come through on the other side of the spiritual car wash singing holy, 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 wearing white robes. That would be great, but it doesn't work that way. There's a process that we have to go through. But Paul says, I haven't arrived, but I have a goal in mind. I know where I want to go, but, and by the grace of God, I'm going to get there because he's apprehended something for me. I've been apprehended for a purpose, and if I will pursue him with all my heart, I will get there. But you see, our attitudes and our perspectives on the things, they're now different as believers. But we still have to deal with the effects of the past. Let me share just a brief story with you. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge West Virginia fan because I grew up in West Virginia. This WV doesn't stand for women's volleyball. It stands for West Virginia. And so my wife for Father's Day one day got me a rhododendron plant. A rhododendron is a state plant or state flower in West Virginia. So she got me this, and we had planted, and, we had, and someone, someone laughingly gave me this yucca plant, okay? And if you know what a yucca plant is, it's a glorified weed, okay? And so I planted this yucca plant uh, on, this, on this little knoll, but I said, I'm going to dig up this yucca plant and plant my rhododendron there because I wanted to be able to look out my window and see this beautiful rhododendron, purple and pink and flowers and stuff like that. So I dig up this yucca, and I put this rhododendron plant there, and it's growing. It's doing really well. Well, next year, the yucca starts to grow back. And that's a lot like our lives. We are new creations in Christ Jesus, but yet there are certain things in our lives that begin to rise up. Even though we have taken them to the cross, we've asked God for help, they still come. So I go back down, I start digging up the roots again, I start weed whacking and all these other things. And it takes me several years to finally destroy the yucca plants. And that's like our lives. There are several things that may be in our lives that we are struggling with. Just because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus doesn't mean you need to give up. It means you need to continue digging up those roots. And eventually, as you continue to dig up those roots, you will get the victory. And, those, and, and that flower will begin to grow and be the beautiful flower that you, have, that you wanted it to be. That's the way our lives are. Because we think just because we're uprooted out of the, out of the power of darkness, we're planted, we're planted in God's pot, there are still some roots there that are hidden beneath the surface that we need to apply the blood of the lamb to as, we, as they are exposed in our lives. But so many just give up. Well, I guess I'm always going to be a yucca plant. I might as well just resist and yield to being a yucca. No, God wants you to deal with that because he's placed another plant there, something more beautiful, something more appealing to the eye, and that's you. The second thing we need to do is to replace our old perspective. First thing is we have to have a realistic view of where we are, Secondly, we've got to replace our old perspective. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You have to take active steps to replace the view you currently have. You can't be passive. You have, once you realize where you're at, you have to take active steps to begin to replace those things in your lives. See, it's not our past that determines us, but it's our future. And I like this. The word forgetting in the Greek here means a conscious refusal 
to allow the past to absorb our attention or to impede our progress. It's a conscious refusal. When Paul says, I forget those things which are behind, I'm consciously, I'm aware of my past. I'm aware of the strongholds in my life. But I have to make a conscious, I have to be intentional about dealing with those things. The word tells us to cast down vain imaginations, right? Well, imaginations come out of our subconscious. And our subconscious is where our woundedness drives our behavior. So we have to cast those things down and bring it under subjection of the power of the cross. See, we break the power of the past by living for the future. We have to have a goal in mind, a price to behold, and you've got to have the attitude, I will not turn to the left, I will not turn to the right, I'm not going to look behind because my eye is fixed on the goal. It's fixed on Jesus. How many remember the story of the four-minute mile? Some of us older people do. But in the 50s, no one had ever run faster, had, had ever run beyond earlier or faster than four minutes in the mile. So that was the goal. Somebody wanted to break the four-minute mile. Well, in 19, I believe 1953, two men, a guy by the name of John Landy, who was the world's fastest runner. In fact, they said that John Landy would probably be the first man to break the four-minute mile. Well, then there was, a, there was a young medical student in England named Roger Bannister, who was also a very active uh, runner, but he wasn't as committed as John Landy because John Landy was his life. But Bannister was pretty fast. And so, so, the, so they had planted these seeds in John Landy's mind that there's one guy that, that you may not be able to beat. His name is Roger Bannister. So, lo and behold, they have a race. And they're racing, they're preparing for the Olympics, they have a race. And Landy had, had heard so much about Bannister, he was, was obsessed about Bannister. And so they're running. Landy has a 10-yard lead on this guy. And they're coming down the stretch, and then Landy's wondering, where is Bannister? He takes a quick glance over his right shoulder. Bannister passes him on the left and wins .800 of a second to be the first man to break the four-minute mile. In fact, both of them broke the four-minute mile. They did it in three minutes and 59 seconds, but Bannister did it first. And the moral of that story is that we can't allow things to distract us. We have to have a goal in mind. If we're always concerned about the things that are to our left or things that are to our right, circumstances that we can't control, and people's attitudes towards us that we can't control, we can only control me. You can't control nobody else. You can only control your response to whatever you're facing in life. Now, if Landy would have stayed focused on the prize, he would have won by a large margin. But he lost. And many of us are losing our race today because we are concerned and consumed about things we cannot control, things we don't understand. That's why, friends, that the Trek program is to help us to unpackage the things in our lives, to give us some understanding to the things that are driving our behavior and causing us to make bad choices and bad choices that we continue to do even though we know they're wrong, but yet we still do them. And we, and we begin to blame ourselves and live in shame by thinking, I'm such a bad Christian. I'm so bad. And since I'm bad, I'm never going to be able to do anything good. And so we stay in our woundedness. In Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world will replay over and over all of your past mistakes. In your mind, you'll think about all your failures, all your abuse, all the rejections, the divorce, the loss of job. But on the other hand, 
the enemy will play the successes, the, old, the good old days. We, think, we talk about the good old days. Well, the good old days creates complacency and it creates pride. And you will stop growing and stop learning if you're dwelling upon the good old days. The final thing is to release the past and embrace the future. You have to release the past and embrace the future. Verse 14 of Philippians 3, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, friends, your past is designed to keep you there. But if you press forward, God has already prepared your future and reward. Paul had to release his past identity as Saul, a persecutor of Christians, in order to move forward in the ministry which God had called him. Let me paint a very brief picture of this for you. Sometimes we, we look past this. The Apostle Paul was called the Pharisee of Pharisee. He was a very scholar. He was probably, he was probably the, the only real theologian that authored the Bible. He had studied under Gamaliel, and he was, he was a foremost theologian, understood the law better than anyone. That's why he said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. But he had an encounter with God. And as he had this encounter with God, it knocked him off a horse, and he'd been away for about three years and allowed the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal things to him that pointed towards Christ from all of his theological studies of the Old Testament. He just had this encounter, this communion, and God began to reveal that everything that you have ever studied pointed towards Jesus Christ. But yet, think about, think about the Apostle Paul, his zealousness to be a Pharisee of the Pharisee, his zealousness in persecuting and, and killing Christians, taking, taking men out of the home and imprisoning them, putting them into prison. Here's the picture. Here's the Apostle Paul when he's incarcerated. He's in the jail. And all of a sudden, he's trying to sleep. Can you imagine the, the nightmares? He probably wakes up by hearing those Christian men screaming, the wives screaming, not my husband. And the children saying, not my dad, not my dad. Don't you think that the devil played that over and over and over in the Apostle Paul's mind? Do you think he's exempt from those temptations that we experience? That Paul had to, I bet he lived with that every day of his life. Those screams. But yet he became so zealous for the things of God that drove his behavior. But yet here was the foremost persecutor and, and, and murderer of Christians. And I can, I can imagine him trying to sleep and hearing those screams. And maybe even seeing the faces of some of the little children that came up, grabbing him by the legs and saying, Don't, not my dad. Can you picture that? I mean, the Bible doesn't say it, but that, that's a picture that I see in my mind that Paul had to live with every day. The begging and the pleading, don't kill my dad. Don't kill my mom. Don't hurt my family. He had to live with that. In verse 4 of uh, Philippians 3, Philippians 3, 4 through 6, it says, If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Here's his own testimony in Philippians 3. Did you know that what's interesting is the exact same Greek word for persecuting the church and the same Greek word for pressing on or the exact same Greek word? And what I find what's very interesting here is this, that what, what this says to me is this, that in order to overcome his past, Paul with that exact same vigor and energy that he had to, to, to drive and persecute Christians it's the same now energy and vigor and drive he has to pursue the things of God. 
So the very thing in his life that drove him to kill Christians was the very same energy that motivated him to pursue the things of God. The same zeal, the same energy. So the things that in our lives that were toxic, sometimes those things can be used as fuel to motivate us to action. Because God doesn't waste a hurt or an experience. But he will use those things to shape you for his purpose if you will yield to him. So let me close by saying this. I want to share in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. This is Paul's testimony. And listen to the word of his testimony. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. I love that. Jesus has enabled us. Anytime God calls us to do something, God will enable us to perform it. If you think I can't overcome this addiction, I can't overcome this behavior, God says God will enable you to overcome that if you will trust him. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he, God, counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And I love this part. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. What a testimony. Paul recognized where he was at, that he was chief of sinners, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. But he, but he had this goal in mind, and with that same energy, he, he began to pursue the things of God because he knew it was God that enabled him. And I believe God has given us a program called Trek for the last day, body of Christ, to get healthy so that we can accomplish the things he's called us to do. Because you see, friends, that if we are not healthy, how in the world are we going to give health to our dying generation? If we're sick, trying to help sick people, we're all going to die together. But God has given us a tool. And he says that God, that Paul says, Paul obtained grace and mercy for the things he did in his past. And God will blot out all your transgressions, and he will provide forgiveness when we repent and ask for his grace to help. Because the grace of God is exceedingly abundant. Yes, friends, I know there are people that in our own strength we can't forgive. But we can forgive them by saying, God, forgive them through me. Give me the grace to forgive the unforgivable. Give me the grace to love the unlovable. Give me the ability to help and to reach out and minister to those who are hurting. Because they've done it in ignorance. Amen. I want us to briefly just watch this testimony of our Trek graduates, and then I'll close in prayer. When I first started this course, I had no idea who I was, what my purpose was, or where I was even going. Trek basically has changed my life in so many ways. Um, My parents were divorced when I was two years old. And before the trek, I would have told you that it didn't bother me. I was two years old. I, I never knew what it was like to grow up with my dad in the house. But trek has um, shown me a lot about who I am as a person. Um, 
I think not only my relationship with God, but um, especially my relationship with my husband. For me, Trek gave me a moment to kind of look at my belief system and why I believed the things I did and why I reacted to different things. I was in a very difficult time in my life where I needed to make a change and Trek was the change that I needed. It's helped me to overcome um, rejection, shame, guilt that I felt from some of the things that have happened to me in the past. I think I've learned so much in Trek about my perceptions and my expectations on um, my husband Trenton as well as myself and other people. Going through the Trek materials, I've learned that I actually have a really deep fear of rejection. I believe a lot of lies that have come from just growing up, peers, friends, family, society, and the Trek has helped me to really see those lies for what they are and just strip them away and just get down to the core of who I am and start to replace those lies with God's truths. Self-talk is a huge part of this course. I actually have a two pages of self-talk sitting on my mirror in my bathroom. It helps me to start my day off right and in a positive frame of mind. I feel like I know myself the way that God wants me to know myself. I, I know that Trenton had taken Trek before me and I've often thought within this journey in Trek, um, how did you live with me? Um, because uh, there was just so many things that I expected from him and um, kind of perceptions and expectations that I placed on myself as a wife um, and as his friend. And um, Trek has just really shown me um, who God wants me to be through all of this um, and through my walk with him and my walk with my husband and just having that bond with so many women in our group that relationship building uh, is something that I could never replace. We've both talked about that a lot how how important the small groups were. The ladies in the group have been absolutely wonderful and I believe we will end up being lifelong friends throughout this whole process. The trek is definitely helped me to be able to identify how I'm feeling and put words around it, but not only how I'm feeling, but why I'm feeling that way. Back in September of 2014 was a very dark point in my life. I honestly did not know if I wanted to live or die. And as I said, this track has changed my life. I could honestly say it has saved my life. And even though my journey with the class of track is over, the journey itself is not. I will continue to grow. I would recommend it for everybody. Um, it's always been worth the investment. It's the best $300 that I've ever spent. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. My own outlook, seeing the positive self-talk, changing my core beliefs and just how I think in my own head has been improving the quality of my life and my relationships. And those are not actors, friends. Those are those are our members of Word of Grace Community Church in Sheboygan Falls. And uh, we graduated about 54 people in the last of uh, July. We have over 50 people signed up already. They are going to be launching on Tuesdays, October the 6th. I will be here Mondays, October the 5th. Word of Grace, October the 6th. And then we have Remedy Church in Sheboygan that's going to do it on Wednesdays on October the 7th. 
So we, so we are, we are impacting the lake shore. We believe God's going to use the lake shore. It's so appropriate to have lighthouses there. We're going to be a light to help bring healing to not only uh, our counties, but the state of Wisconsin and also beyond. So let me pray with you. If you haven't signed up yet, the sign-up sheets are back there. And I just want to encourage you to sign up. We need to know how many people's coming. Again, if you, to sign up doesn't mean you're committing to the class. It would help us to know how many handouts that we will make. We, we need the adequate amount of handouts so that everybody has a handout for the orientation. So please sign up, and, and it will be October 5th on Monday nights, 6 until 9, here every Monday night. I will be here with you, the journey with you, for those six months. So let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I want to give you thanks and praise for, for the word that was spoken here today. Lord, your word doesn't return void, but it will accomplish that which you've sent it to do. And you've said in your word that you sent your word to heal and to deliver your people from destruction. So, Lord, I pray for every person that heard the word here today, Lord, that it will resonate within their hearts and their spirit. And, Lord, as someone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, let today be the first day of the rest of their life as they have an encounter with you and can, and can experience that. If you're here today and you haven't received Jesus Christ and you just asked him to come into your heart, that you need someone to make sense of the madness of your life, then talk to one of the pastors here or myself that we can help you in your journey. Father, I want to pray that you would just infuse healing grace within the lives of every person whose heart has been broken that has been crushed. Lord, give them a holy boldness to take the step that will change their lives and begin to put those pieces back together. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Mark.